0: Welcome into Shock and Ship. I think the Dogs have a pretty big game on Saturday, DJ, at Tuscaloosa, taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's kind of crazy to me to, to take on Alabama in a game that doesn't have some immediate postseason implications, but we'll get to that. And uh, as always, <clears throat> get a fresh take from DJ Shockley on the game. Shock, how's your weekend? What's up, man?
1: Weekend was good, man. Um... Pretty busy uh, at the South Carolina versus Vandy game this past weekend. uh, And it was, uh, I'm just going to say it was uh, not as interesting as uh, a lot of games around the country. Um, But uh, nonetheless, it was was fun to do. Got to talk to my man, Mike Bobo. Uh, It was good to talk to him um, ahead of that ball game. So I enjoyed that. Uh, It was good to see my man, Joe Cox. Little, i just call him redhead you know when joe cox when he first got to georgia uh a little redhead came in there a little little freshman took him under my wings and i even took him to my house during Thanksgiving and we still laugh about it to this day he just talked about how full he was eating all that good food he, some stuff he had never had before uh but it was uh it, it was pretty fun so weekend was good man uh other than the other stuff going around here in the in Atlanta with uh, Atlanta Falcons, we had a, a couple things happen here. But uh, other than that, good. How about you, man? How was your weekend, bro?
0: Good. It was good. Uh, watched the Tennessee game and um, just kind of amazed to see Georgia pull it off the way they did. They're just such a second-half team. And um, it was nice to, I don't know, I guess watch the second half and not be worried about it. Because the first <laughs> half was a different story. But, yeah. but the second half was fun. Um, that defense is uh, putting up points, and um, I think they might eventually en- end up putting up more points than some of these offenses that they play at some point uh, down the road this season. But they're the real deal, and uh, obviously this game's a different story coming up. Dogs well, have first off, uh, they got to put four, we, before, four quarters wait, together, on. Shock. Hold on, hold on. Before we get going, I don't even know how I
1: let this go <laughs> by, but we got to talk about – your background your setting where you are i mean this is yeah. not the uh,
2: yeah, is, it a, is it
1: hawaiian shirt friday this is why zoom mike mike, zoom mike had you mike, you has uh, uh, have you behind him in his big screen right there being big time uh he looks like uh
2: west here. just looks like he walked out of like the urban outfitters catalog <laughs> right there man he got the hoodie he got the jacket He's, Got he's scruff going. He's what you
1: call very cash
0: on that yes, picture behind you, right there. So was, what, uh, tell the people where you are, man. Okay, so you guys are always always kind of touching on my fashion, which is a, like its own sidebar each week, which is fine. Yeah, but, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little different, bro. Come on. But we're on uh, we're on vacation, a little family vacation, and uh, hanging out in Hilton Head for a few days and enjoying some nice fall beach weather. It's nice uh, kind of mid seventies. It's really Mm -hmm. nice. It's like perfect, perfect climate. And um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. So what have you done since you've been there? What have you done since you've been there? Oh gosh, really took the baby down to the beach. And, um, that's an adventure in and of itself. So once you have a baby and you take a baby on vacation, the vacation is a, no longer about you. Right. Um, and then you need a vacation from your vacation. It's like yeah. taking,
2: it's like taking a rabbit animal to the beach. <laughs> I mean, oh, a rabbit animal. And, I, and that's no, that's no insult to rabbit animals. I mean, babies are,
0: <laughs> babies are crazy. She loved the water, but she did not love the idea of trying to take a nap down there. So, um, so yeah, so we're trying hey. to work on that. But uh, but yeah, hopefully some more restful times ahead and uh, watching these Braves, watching the Braves. As we record this, the Braves have a 1-0 series lead. Um, Let's go, Bravos! In, in the series. So if the Braves go on to, to win this series, then we'll say that uh, it, it means good things for the Georgia-Alabama game this weekend. But if the Braves go on to lose this series by the time you listen to it, it of course has no implication on what Georgia does against the Tide. But I think, <laughs> you know, starting off, with a 1-0 series lead against the Dodgers. I don't I don't know if a lot of experts, none of the experts I saw, expected that. So great vibes in Georgia sports to start the week, other than, as DJ mentioned, um, the Falcons kind of uh, taking a taking a different direction on things and uh, adjusting. I'll be honest, that. I
1: don't think anybody was surprised, man. I, I, no. I think with the way it started, you know, and then, you, you know, you, you start 0-5, you were 1-6 last year to start the season. Arthur had to pull the trigger on it, and I mean yeah. – if you ever met Dan Quinn, just a, I mean, a quality guy. Great dude. Uh, really personable, cares about his players. You, you can tell all his players always vouch for him. They love the, the coach he is. So, uh, unfortunate to see him go, but we all know that it's a results business and wins and losses are at the top of that food chain for sure.
2: You know what I think the hardest thing to, to get used to is, is that in, in professional football and in college football, you can still do, and I'm, you know, and I don't really follow the Falcons, so I don't know the the minutia of the personnel moves and this and that. But it seems like you can do the majority of the things right and still lose your job. Mm, right. And yet, same thing in college too. Same thing yeah. in college. You can you can win a lot of games and still lose your job. It's the the old if you stay
1: anywhere long enough, you will eventually get fired. And you know what? It was crazy when we talk about that. My wife just yesterday asked me, had I ever thought about getting into coaching or wanting to do something in that light? And I just went down like two of my, my, my my good friends, Brian McClendon and Thomas Brown, both are coaches and been doing it at the highest level college and pro. And I picked their brain on it and the stuff that they have to do and go through and how much time they were from their family. And then, how you can do everything right. And maybe you got four or five injuries in a particular, you know, season, and then you got to lose a season and you're gone and you got to move somewhere else. Like it's tough on coaches, man. It's tough. And you gotta, you gotta do a year in and year out. So I think that's why a lot of people respect Kirby for everything he does because he is always about the next day, always building the future. We always hear him on the phone. with recruits always adamant about, you know, we got to keep, you know grinding and getting better each and every week because you never know what can happen in this league uh from from one week to another
0: yeah dj i mean you see it now too the coaching industry i've always thought is similar to how broadcasting can be you're moving around a lot um there's not a ton of stability depending on what kind of gigs you take and um you know different different roles different pressures different stresses obviously it's not a perfect fit but when you jump on that train, you better hold on tight, man, because you really don't know where it can take you sometimes.
1: Yeah, because we're on this Mike Bilbo train right now. and it, it, This train here ain't getting off the track. So, Wes, me and you, oh, by we the good, way, baby. Hold on, hold oh, on. I got,
2: I got some breaking news. Uh-oh. What we got? Y'all are going to get some packages at your, your house whoa. this week. Whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa. I've been looking for them, too. i was just been, saying. Ever since you said something, I've been – every time FedEx somebody comes yep. to the door, I'm like, is that it? We
2: are a UPS school.
1: It, is, mm. it will be a UPS local package.
2: Local oh, great. company. <laughs> great. Great. But, uh, yeah, you guys are going to get your uh, your throwback jerseys.
0: As oh, soon as I, I'm going to be looking through those blinds, man. I'm going to be waiting.
2: <laughs> 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 Let me ask you this, DJ. Is it harder to be a coach in college or harder to be a coach in the NFL?
1: I think it's harder in, if, I mean, in uh, college. And I say that because – the stop the the the, the age range that you're dealing with, and I think from a recruit standpoint, you have to pay so much attention in recruiting to these kids. I've heard coaches talk about how if you don't talk to a kid or you don't DM him or you don't text him every single week, he feels like you don't care about him. And for a coach, you got to worry about not only the guys that are on your campus, but then you got to worry about the kids that you're trying to recruit. Make sure that you're always giving them the proper attention so that they're not saying, "Hey, this school over here is talking to me every other day, and you're not talking to me." And I think they got to cater to them a little bit more. And then there's the fact of then you got to talk to the parents, you got to deal with the parents, and then you got to make sure uh, your kids at your school are, are going to class. I mean, there's so much. I think a, a college coach has to deal with than an NFL coach. And then you know, we ain't talked about getting on the road. Right now, the coaches don't have to get on the road, but i talked to some of my boys, they tell me they're on the road all the time and you're always away from your family, but then you still have all the responsibilities of like you're being on campus and dealing with all the kids. So I think it's tougher mm. on college coaches to sustain, but I you know, I, I get a chance to call games every weekend. I talk to coordinators who've been in the college ring for 35 years. So, you know, some are just, you gotta love it. You gotta love what you do, but some just understand it better than others. but I, I, I definitely think college is a little bit harder on coaches than uh, the NFL. NFL is just like, you you see what's coming in, you develop them and make sure they're good to go. You ain't got to worry about them going to class. You ain't got to worry about
0: going on the road, recruiting nobody. Like, I think it's easier. It seems like it comes down to kind of what your personality type is, right? Like the guys you mentioned that are coordinators in college football for 30, 40 years. You know, if you like to engage with high school kids and, and kind of stay up with that and kind of foster those relationships, it doesn't seem so uh transactional so uh business oriented um because mm-hmm. because you gotta you gotta stay up on that stuff man you gotta mm-hmm. be like a 60 year old defensive coordinator that knows what the tiktok Lingo. is and yeah and, and and what the dance moves are that everyone's doing and like we hear stories about coaches um the one that georgia's facing this week nick saban is that guy doing tiktok dances with some of these high school kids but that's what it takes you know, and wherever Kirby ends up being in several years down the road, like whatever that uh, current app is that all the high school kids are using, like that's that's, that's just like that's the table stakes, man. You got to know how to do it. And, and I you personally bring that to the table.
1: I personally know there are some
0: coaches who actually hire guys just to keep
1: them informed on oh. the latest things that's going on. Like, I don't doubt it. No well, way you, know,
2: you always there's always that guy on the staff. That is, I think any college, any college team that I've ever been around, there's always a couple of guys on the staff that are real plugged in to what the freshmen, what the high schoolers, they're always like, and they, those coaches rely on those guys a lot. They rely on those guys a lot, but I always feel like the guys with the best personalities are the college coaches Mm -hmm. because because you can't, you can't go into somebody's house. You can't talk to mom and dad or grandma or uh, uncle or whoever and, and, and tell them they're going to take care of your son right. without, without you having a good personality. Now, right. the NFL guys that I've dealt with are the guys that have been – because they all, they all go back and forth. I mean, if you've been in the, the coaching business long enough, you all go back and forth. Yeah. But it seems like the guys that, that really gravitate towards the NFL are the guys that, you know, maybe they don't have that personality. Maybe they're not that fiery guy, but they, they, they know the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they're, they're almost like the professors and, <laughs> and they'll, they'll sit there and break down the X's and O's. And there's not a lot of, you know, not a lot of BS with them. And it's, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do, do it. And it seems like those guys kind of gravitate towards the NFL, but the guys that have the real effusive personalities kind of stay. you you end up seeing them be successful in college.
0: Yeah. It's two different worlds entirely. Um, all right, shot. It's Georgia, Alabama. week. Uh, we got our, our guests coming up in a few minutes, but, we need to devote some serious time to this Georgia. For sure. matchup. For and, sure. uh, you know, this Georgia schedule that's been impacted by COVID is what it is. And, and everyone had this game circled. I think the fact that Georgia got through the first three games is not something we should overlook uh, Arkansas playing a lot tougher than people imagine coming in yep. um, Auburn really blowing Auburn out, getting that off your schedule and getting that off your plate, a huge sigh of relief any season when you can take care of your uh, rival in Auburn. And Tennessee, Tennessee's an up-and-coming program, and Georgia's really handled its business and gone 3-0. But now Alabama, and uh, really the Tide, that defense, everyone's dogging on them, man. And I think it's really easy to just assume that that is who Alabama is. I've seen too many Nick Saban defenses. I've seen too many Nick Saban teams have tough weeks. They respond well every time. So I'm expecting Georgia obviously to hang tough and they've played Alabama tough the last several times they've met. It's just now they've got to get over this hump, whether it's this time in the regular season or if the cards play out this way at some point in the postseason. But this is the game this week this is the first order of business.
1: And one thing I know is this is a team that has played Alabama before. There are a lot of teams that come into the game playing against Alabama, feel like they're already behind the eight ball and Alabama just has better athletes than everybody else. And for once, for the last five years, I believe Georgia feels like they have the same kind of athletes or even better. And like you mentioned, they haven't been able to finish And Let's give Let's give the Georgia staff a lot of credit, man. We talked about going through those first three games and getting through Auburn, getting through Tennessee. But I think the number one thing that I think kind of gets overlooked is everything coming in about who was going to play that key spot. There are a lot of things that could have went wrong from that quarterback position or how they handle it, who was going to be the guy, uh, getting Stetson ready to go, and how was he going to perform? But I thought they did a great job of – Establishing him for one, but also giving him chances to be successful in both those ball games. Now you got a great defense to lean on. That's obvious, but you could also put somebody out there who maybe doesn't have it all, and he could turn the football over a couple times before you know it, you're in a dogfight. So those first three games, you got to give that staff a lot of credit for getting through those games. And now I think you have a team that has built confidence over those last couple games going into a big-time major matchup on primetime, night game. This is the type of game that you come to the University of Georgia for. And you hear that all the time from players, coaches. You come to this league, you come to this university, they're playing games like this. These are the games that you remember. These are the games as a player I remember vividly. Going from Monday all the way through Saturday, there's a different attitude, there's a different energy around Uh, the Bustamary build, I'm telling you, these guys will be ready to go for this ball game. And I think this is a a signature game for Georgia going against Alabama with everything they have. And we've seen, like you mentioned, their defense has, they took a lick last week with Ole Miss. Ole Miss, we know is going to score points on everybody. Lane Kiffin can draw it up with the best of them. Everywhere he's been, no matter what school has been, he has put up points versus everybody. I wanted wanted to make that point that you're exactly
2: right. I mean, there's one thing that guy can do. It's call plays. <laughs> that's what he right? do.
1: Yeah.
2: and he's got an intimate knowledge of the system that Saban runs from his run oh, yeah, no. there. That oh, guy's no. going to put some plays out there. They're going to expose them and put people in positions and spaces that Saban does not want them to be in. Yeah. So that's a, that's like a worst case scenario for Alabama. That defense is a lot better than people are going to give it credit for.
1: Yeah, because, and, and,
2: because they got – just because they got lit up one week against a really good offensive team, that defense is going to be good.
1: And the great really? thing is Georgia matches up, I think, personnel-wise with Alabama as good as anybody, I think, in the country. And when you play against a team like Alabama, you have to have the personnel that matches up to them at every spot where you won't get dominated in the trenches. Georgia's just as big, just as athletic – can run. They got big physical corners on the outside that won't be afraid. They're always in that press man coverage, so they won't be afraid of the the speedy guys. Because guess what? They see them every day in practice. Uh, this is a, a, a offense that the offensive line. I think the last two weeks has taken a challenge to say, hey, we're going to be the more physical bunch. And this is a signature game. So uh, I'm excited to watch what happens in this game. I'm excited to see how good versus good. You know, good offense, great offense for Alabama. Great defense for Georgia weapons everywhere, which team stands up. So this is going to be fun to watch.
0: Shock, I, I go back to the 2002 Georgia-Alabama game. You were on that roster, and, and I remember the storyline coming in. Um, Pat Dye, rest in peace, said that his former Georgia team not man um, enough. Yeah. was not man enough. Do you, you see, see – like You remember that
1: stuff, man. Like, there's, there's certain things that are good.
0: You, you don't forget, man. No, nah, you don't. You don't. And um, I just wonder, you know, there hasn't been something like that where some – prestigious Georgia alumni calls out Georgia's manhood, but do you see a similar uh, setup right now for this Georgia team to go in and and really cut through a lot of clutter that they haven't been able to cut through before with with Alabama specifically?
1: Yes, because for the past, I don't know how many years, Alabama has always been a step above. And I think everybody around the country, when you say Georgia versus Alabama, you automatically, just feel as though Alabama will find a way to win the ball game Mm -hmm. because they have found a way to win the ball game. So Mm -hmm. that's why I mentioned, this has to be a game where Georgia comes out on the other end, just for the national notoriety of Georgia has arrived. Everybody thinks Georgia is a national contender, no doubt. But when you put them up against Alabama, everybody still feels Alabama is superior. And that's just being honest and talking to uh, guys who, you know, play in this league or other colleagues, they still feel as though Alabama will find a way to win this ball game. And Georgia needs to go in to Alabama mm-hmm. and find a way to get a win to change that narrative. Unless if that doesn't happen, that same narrative is going to continue until you finally beat them. A lot of football at the play, but I still think this is a monster game for, cause we can look down the road, Kirby and them. Everybody else won't look down the road. We can look down the road and say, Hey, if you gotta, you gotta, you gotta win this ball game. You got a chance because with how the the Big 12 is playing right now, Hmm. there's an opportunity
0: for two from this league to get in. So I think this game is massive. Shock, we're about to break uh, and and have our conversation with Ray Fulcher, but I want to ask you one quick quick question. One position group that gives Georgia the win against Alabama, if this position group dominates Georgia wins, what is it? Uh, I'm going to say D-line. Because if you can affect
1: Mac Jones, where uh, as a guy who knows this, you know, personally, if you can affect the quarterback, it doesn't matter who is on the outside. It doesn't matter what receiver, how fast he is. It don't matter. If you can affect him, you got a good chance of winning
0: that ball game. So I like, I like the D line, man. There you go. Straight from shock's mouth to your ear. Shock and ship wrapping up uh, after an interview with Ray Fulcher coming up. But first, this break, we'll catch you after this. All right. Welcome back into shock and ship. It is Alabama week and we have a special guest by the name of Ray Fulcher. And you may have heard Ray's sultry tones uh, on a track by the name of love your son, go dogs. And if you're listening to this show um, and you haven't heard it, definitely check it out. But Ray has a lot of uh, other impressive uh, 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 additions to his resume and his body of work. And, you know, one of those things started off on campus at the University of Georgia on the Georgia football team. So, Ray, thank you for coming on. And uh, I just want you to take us back to your time at Georgia and your ties to the Georgia football program. Before we get into everything you got going on now musically, (laughs) uh, tell us about your Georgia football roots, man.
3: man. First of all, thank you all for uh, having me on. Um, It's a pleasure. Man, I grew up in Harlem, Georgia, outside of Augusta. And when I was like 10, my dad took me to my first Georgia game, and I was hooked. From then on. And so, you know, I, I would go to a few games a year, but I would watch every game or listen on, you know, listen to Munson on the, uh, you know, the headphones. And then, so when I got to, and I always want to play football at Georgia, but you know, that didn't work out. I played football in high school. So when I was a freshman at Georgia, I uh, was like, man, I got to find a way that I can't play. I got to find a way to be part of the program. So I remember I walked up, I walked into the football complex one day, not knowing what I was doing. And went up, and uh, Tammy Mettenberger was the uh, was the lady at the front then, and and we've stayed friends since then. But uh, I I was like, "Hey, I don't really know who to ask, but uh, I just I want to work with a football team. I played football. This is my dream to you know work at Georgia." And she was like, "So you walked in here just asking for a job?" And I was like, "Yeah." So (laughs) by that time, Dave Allen, I know shot probably. Oh, Dave! Dave. Oh, Dave! So he walked by and, and uh he probably he, says I'm smart and he? oh he did. Tammy was uh, <laughs> like, Tammy goes, hey this guy wants a job. You got one? And Dave was like, matter of fact, two boys just quit. Come on down to the equipment room. So nice. Here I go. I walk down there and Dave really don't even interview me. He just like just talks and I listen for like an hour. And then goes, you seem like a pretty good guy. You want to start in August? And I'm like, what? So I was like, absolutely. So didn't know what I was walking into. Came back in August and ended up being a equipment manager and kind of student assistant. And I ended up working uh, under Coach Bobo with the quarterbacks and worked with Shock for a while. And I mean, I was there for I worked I worked from two thousand uh, the two thousand four season until I went to graduate school. Was the GA so two thousand ten? So um, I was there with Shock on the sideline in two thousand five when we won the ACC title and all that stuff. So. Yeah, a bunch of good memories. Man, that's pretty cool, man. I, man.
1: I was excited, man, when we, when we said we were going to have you on and uh, brought back some good memories for me. And yeah. uh, obviously, you're doing some great things right now, man. Any any fond memories from those practice days? I'm sure there were plenty. Uh, you, I'm sure you heard the worst of the worst out there, times, oh. But uh, <laughs> any, any worth uh, telling right now? Uh, I'm sure people would love to hear a, a good Bobo story or Coach
3: Rick story that you had throughout <laughs> that time. Uh, by the uh, well, one of the one one of the ones is uh, I think I, I think you cracked my ribs one time and didn't know it when I was running one of those curl routes. <laughs> and anybody out there don't know, shock has a howitzer for an arm. <laughs> <laughs> I used to run them routes on air, and I remember one I, like I couldn't catch for like two weeks after that cause <laughs> get- <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean there's so many stories. I mean, one I remember. I remember I was out there helping Coach Bobo, and um, he uh, he got so angry. I can't even remember what was happening or something. I think we ran the same play wrong three times, and, and then he turns around and yells at me like it's my fault. Like, don't, <laughs> just don't just stand there and go get me a dip. And I'm like, a dip, and he's like, "I don't care, run to the store." So I ran to the store. Literally ran. Larry ran. <laughs> That's just across the right there. Yeah, yeah, I'm corner. <laughs> and running. And here I come back, but you know, um, I mean, it's going on with the stories, and and, uh, oh man, that's awesome! But yeah, uh,
0: I'm always curious when it comes to um, guys on the staff like that. Did you get a ring in 05? Did you get an SEC championship ring? Did yeah. it's actually okay. I was about to say, if if shot cracked your ribs, you at least earn yeah, (laughs) like a plaque or a t shirt or something. So I'm glad they took (laughs) care of it. Well, well,
1: well, we knew Ray was athletic. I mean, he used yeah, to be out there slinging it around with us. So we was like, we can let it fly. He acted like he just wanted to receive it. So we yeah. threw it to him
3: like we was throwing it to Fred Gibson or, you know. i tell you Fred what, I had a flag football. I, like, headed up a flag, interviewed a football team too then. And, and them boys, and it was a lot of those guys were out there and stuff. But, so we, I ran so many routes and caught so many balls that it was like, I feel like I had a leg up on everybody. It was like we're on this route; and they don't know how to run it right. And like, <laughs> if I can catch a ball from shock; I can catch it from anybody.
1: So Ray, Ray, I just stay with him and everything, man. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Oh, There's God. nothing like the flag football team to to kind of bring that confidence back. You know what I
2: mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I got to talk to you about love your son. Go dogs! And uh, been listening to it. I'm. It, I need to explain my appearance. I explained in DJ already, but I'm on vacation with my family down in Hilton Head and um, listened to uh, a number of your tracks on the drive down. And um, I think, regardless of who you pull for in the SEC, that song it just it really does touch uh, on on so many nerves and so many chords with people that have that experience of you know whether it's Go Dogs or Alabama fans saying "Roll Tide" or, or Auburn fans saying "War Eagle." you know, you can sum up so many memories and so many experiences you've had with your family and your loved ones just by saying a, a a quick phrase like that. So kudos to you. Great job, um, on, on the writing and, and getting those emotions across, but I'd love to hear kind of what went into that, um, for you personally, uh, to put that track together.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's just such a, you know, for, for me, and I've got so many messages, like you just said about, you know, the, uh, you know, people from other schools contacted me going like, hey, I can't stand the dogs, but this is like one of my favorite songs. <laughs> because, like you just replace the dogs with it. And it's like me and my dad's relationship or me and my like best friends or, or whatever, you know, and so it's been cool to kind of cross that barrier into other things. But I mean, for me, it's just my, that's, that's exactly, you know, my, and my dad's relationship is, is kind of that song, you know, and, and me being on the road so much and not in 2020 necessarily because of, of COVID and everything, but you know, before that it was, we're on the road so much that, you know, I might wake up in a hotel room somewhere or on a bus and then have, you know, a voicemail or a text from him just being like, Hey, you know, keeping up with y'all proud of you, you know, and, and a lot of times when we do talk on the phone, especially this time of year, we're going to talk about dogs. And so Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm not the only one, you know, that (laughs) that feels that way. And so, um, you know, it was cool to be able to kind of, you know, put that out into the world and, 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 Put it in almost like a, you know, the song's about a voicemail and kind of, and that's, you know, that's it too. It's like so many people have these memories of maybe people that aren't here with us anymore. And, um, you know, I like to think that it's, you know, pretty universal.
1: You know, man, Ray, I want to ask you, like, you you talk about coming up with that song and how it came about. Um, When did you know that you had this kind of talent? I mean, when did it, you know, click for you that... Maybe I could uh make a living uh doing this and you know, how early did it start for you?
3: Well, I started playing start I didn't start playing music until I was in graduate school at Georgia, actually. Cause I'd always just want to be a coach and a teacher. And even then I still wanted to do that when I started playing. But I went and saw this, saw a concert at Georgia Theater, um, and it was Eric Church. And I had never heard of him at the time. He was new, brand new at the time. And uh, but he I remember he sent his band off. Uh backstage and he played a few songs by himself up there and one of the songs he played off his first album was called Lightning and it was a song that you know I didn't, couldn't personally uh, identify with but it was so cool the way it made me feel and like in that moment and I remember just going it's kind of a light bulb moment where I was like man whatever he just did to me and did to this crap <laughs> like something special about that and so it made me want to go you know it wasn't at first it wasn't like you know hey I'm gonna do music for a living because that was such a you know, I didn't picked up a guitar, but little by little, you know, over the next few years I played and started trying to write. And then in 2014, I had moved back to Harlem, Georgia and working in Augusta. And I just remember being, you know, being like, well, if I got to make a decision, you know, if I'm going to do it, I got to go ahead and, and mm. do it or not, you know, and then get into coaching and, and stuff. And so I just, I remember, you know, being like, well, can I wake up at, 40, 45 years old and, and, and wonder what if, you know? And for me, it was, I couldn't. Mm. And so I, that was, once I kind of came to that decision, I was like, well, I can always come home, but you know, can't hit a homer if you don't swing the bat, which is what mm-hmm. my baseball coach told me whenever, cause I asked his opinion and he was like, well, all I know is you can't hit a homer unless you swing the bat. So if I was you, I'd probably go swing the That's bat. So, moved in 2014 and uh, knew one person in Nashville didn't know what in the world I was doing. Then over the next couple of years, just try I wrote every day and tried to, you know, better my craft and learn, you know, meet new people and 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 everything. So um yeah, now here we are, had three number ones this year as a songwriter. Um and then another one back in 2017. So and now the artist thing is really trying, you know, starting to to uh pick up some steam. So man, we're we're still in the middle of the journey, but a whole a long, long ways from where we started. So Right, let me borrow some money, man. Was, come on, <laughs> man. three number ones. Ray, that's what, come yeah, on, you bro. You want to come to the house and stay one weekend? We'll we'll talk about it. <laughs>
2: that's one of the That's one of the things I was going to ask you, right? Because usually in Nashville, the way the way I kind of understand it is, you got a bunch of songwriters and you got a bunch of artists, right. and they're not all the guys that the artists aren't necessarily writing the songs sure. that the, that they're performing. Um, but you've kind of got it on both sides. Um, how does that work? How do you divide that kind of in your brain when you're, okay, I'm writing a song for somebody or I'm going to write this song for myself yep. or I'm just
3: going to be a performer here. How does that, how well, does that kind of you have to wear both hats if you want to do both? So, you know, it depends on who I'm writing a song with. Like if I'm writing one with Luke Combs or Cole Swindell or Thomas or whoever, then I, you kind of go in knowing like, oh, we're writing for them today. Then a lot of these other rights, there's not a, you know, a bigger artist in the room. And so, the way I always pick my songs is just, I, I never, it never works for me if I go in the room and going, Hey, I'm going to write a song for me today. I just go in and try to write the best song and the best idea. And, and then if it ends up fitting kind of what I want to do and it kind of is one that I keep, you know, gravitating to then I know like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull that one out and stick it to the side. And the Keep ones that, for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a good one. Yeah, better <laughs> <laughs> <For> high. <me>. The <laughs> other ones that kind of fall in the middle of the ones that, that my our, your publisher kind of pitches, you know. So you got people that will pitch songs to other artists and, and, and get them recorded that way. So, you know, there's um that's just the way my and then and then when I'm kind of you know doing my artist stuff, it's like I gotta forget about songwriting for a minute. And when I'm in a songwriting room, I can't really think about because there's so many, so much red tape and things you have to do as an artist you know, um, that, that are not necessarily part of the creative process of songwriting. So, yes, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a lot to take on, but it's, you know, you can do both. You just got to be ready to kind of carry the load. Yeah, Fascinating,
0: like in, in your industry specifically to see a guy like Chris Stapleton that has gone from the the songwriter and been able to pursue being the artist part as well. It, like you mentioned, this, this journey started in the early 2010s. It doesn't happen overnight, but you've you've worked on this and you've kind of sharpened these skills along the way what was I guess what was the most natural uh for you to to, to be a, a college student uh, not majoring in anything that had to do with being a country music artist yeah. what was the most natural thing to you was it was it uh playing or singing or, or uh, the writing and then what, me, what took think, the most work I think the dream for me has always been
3: you know the artist stuff and that's what the guy on the stage making the people feel you know but what I found when I moved to Nashville it's funny that it was like that was the thing that I've had to work the hardest at was like the, you know, perfecting my, you know, craft as far as a singer and entertainer and vocalist and stuff. But the songwriting is, you know, and obviously I got way better from like year one to year two and year two to three. Um, but that that came a little more natural and and you know I like to think some of that goes back to because writing a song was a whole lot like writing a like an argumentative essay. It's like you got this one big idea. <laughs> And then at the, you just keep hammering that idea in different ways. And, um, I wrote so many of them in college that like, once I sat down and I was like, I kind of clicked and I was like, okay, so you got to have the melody here. You got to have a rhyme right here and you got to do different stuff, but it all needs to tie into the same big idea. And so, you know, for me that, that stuff came a little more natural um, at first than the other stuff. So I'm just trying to kind of even it up a little bit. Wait, here, here's my question. Like, How do you come up
1: with the names of those songs? Like, like you look Um, at some of the names, you like, oh, that sounds catchy. Oh, I wonder what's going on in this song. Like, I mean, you got, you you got a couple songs where I was looking at. I was like, man, I wonder how you came up with that name. So (laughs) what's that process like of coming up with a name for a song?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, it just starts with an idea, you know, and sometimes the idea won't be the title, but it'll be, you know, and a lot, my radar is always on. So like anything that somebody's saying, or if I'm in conversation or, you know, if I'm even you know, just in a crowd, like you can hear people at the restaurant or whatever, and and also just paying attention when you watch TV or movies or whatever, because eventually you have all these ideas when you first move to town, and sometimes they'll come naturally, but when you're writing every day, you <clears> kind of <throat> run out of those things, so you got to, yeah. like, pay attention, and then, you know, the idea will hit you, and you might write down, like, a sentence or two, like, in, in your phone. That's where I keep all my ideas, and then you just kind of, you know, look at it and figure out and, you know, talk to the, the other songwriters, like, um, hey, what's a good title? What's a good kind of hook? We call it the last couple lines of a chorus are usually the hook, the payoff, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's always usually a process. Now, sometimes, you know, God comes down and you get this, you know, bam, it just clicks in your head and you're like, where's that been all my life, you know? <laughs> um, but I think the key is just to always be looking and always have your kind of radar on. All right, you so
1: broke my heart tour. That's
3: awesome. Right? <laughs> so, Ray, I'm gonna ask you,
2: I'm gonna <laughs> ask you a hypothetical question here. Okay. Hypothetical question. Oh, Mike's coming with it. So it's it's Alabama week, right? So you've got a ch- you've you've written you've written um, you've written go dogs, and I'm trying to th- all right. I'm trying to think of it now. All right, Jason Isbell, big Alabama mm-hmm. fan. He comes to you and says, "Hey, I want right. to record this, but I'm going to say but I'm going to say roll tide <laughs> instead of go dogs."
1: What's, oh, your, what's your
2: answer? <laughs>
3: I think this. I think this one's off limits, man. To <laughs> yeah, lock it down, baby. It I mean, any of them vocals, <laughs> I think I think it would be cool with, with you know any any other song of mine, but I don't know. This one feels just too special to kind of you know, especially the way it is, and like there's just something different about about this one. And and, and people can sing. You know, if I go play in Tuscaloosa, and they want to sing "Roll Tide" at the end. I, they can do that.
0: But, hey, that's fine uh, as long as they bought a ticket, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ray, Look, dude, I, I think it's like one of the oldest tricks in music. Like you go back and watch, um, I watched the Ken Burns country music documentary, like th- this, this trend of just kind of mentioning a bunch of different States in in a song lyric. And that right. way you're selling records to people. You're yeah. selling tickets on the tour to everybody around the Southeast. But yeah. I, I appreciate your song because it doesn't cater to all that you stuck right. with the dogs and there's a lot to be said about that.
3: Well, yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, if, you know, if they really listen to the whole song, they'll know that it's really about a dad, a father and son. Yeah. More so than it's about the dog. And so if they really listen and kind of get over the dog's part, it's like, wait, that's just his story. That's just his story. It doesn't mean that it's like, it's not some anthem for just Georgia. It's like his story is just like my story with a different team, you know? And so I was, we were really wondering and and hoping that people would kind of see it that way and see through the, you know, the dog's part. And they have, you know, people from all across the country have reached out, which is, You know, we took a chance on that, but so.
1: Ray, you're an athlete just like, uh, you know, all of us are in our our day. And we always thinking about what's next. How can I be better? How can I improve something? Yep. What's next? Is there there a a certain person you want to, you know, collab with? Is there, you know, a a next step where you want to go?
3: What's next in uh, in the Ray Fulcher world? Well, so we, we recorded a bunch of songs during quarantine. We recorded like 10 songs. And so really the next thing for me is going to get the, you know, right now we're in talks and trying to get a, you know, a, a record contract to kind of be on the radio, you know, national. Mm-hmm. And we've already got, we're going on tour with Luke Combs next fall. We'll be playing at Madison Square Garden and like Garden up in Boston and out and, I mean, 20-something dates with him. So it's a long um, way from Bus Mayor right there, baby. It, it is. A long <laughs>
1: way Long way from running to get dipped for Bobo right there. That's right. <laughs> Dude,
0: there, there's a country song in that, in and of itself. So.
3: And so, you know, just uh, trying to, you know, in music, you never know what's kind of coming down the line necessarily. It's like if you just kind of plan right and you work and you got your, you know, bullets in the gun, so to speak, you got the songs ready and you got, and you you plan accordingly. It's kind of like eventually those things will fall into place and, and they have in a lot of ways. So, you know, I think uh, you know, that's kind of the next goal is to get some songs on, you know, and some stations have picked this song up, uh, but kind of a, you know, a national radio act, national touring act, which we've done that already, but kind of doing a bunch of our, our own headline stuff. Right, right, right,
1: You got the uh you got the ladies throwing on on the stage at you and stuff. Now. <coughs> I mean I mean I ain't gonna say that I more. Mean, I know, I know. They love they love that voice. I know, I know, I know. Breaks them down. <laughs>
2: If you're, if you're cutting an album, Ray, how many, you said you recorded 10 songs. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, you probably got a notebook or something that you're writing all this stuff. When you go into the studio, how many songs do you think you have to, do you try to have if you're going to say, all right, I need 10 good songs for an album. Well, I'm going to go in with 30. I'm going to go in with
3: 20. What's that number? For me, me it's going to wind up being about, I think 16, 18, and we're going to probably narrow it down to you know, to 12, and then we'll still probably put the other ones out, just use them differently, you know? Um, cause a lot of times it ain't just the song. It's about how it comes out in the studio. And, and cause that's not, that's an inexact science too. And like there's either a magic that day or there ain't with that song. So, you know, that's why some people will, they'll record a song two or three times to get it kind of right, you know, and, and to make it where, it, and, and there's no scientific thing that goes, well, that's right or that's wrong. It's just a gut thing, a feel thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, we recorded 10, I'm sorry. We, We've finished 10, to- 10 are totally done. And then we've recorded uh, six more that aren't quite finished. And we'll probably go in and do two or three more and kind of, you know, see what we got, you know. You say uh, totally done. I mean, how do? How long does it take to, to, to do a song? So you record the song in there and, and say one day you record like four songs with a band and everything. Right. And then they go, then they go to, you got to do vocals separately. So you'll go do vocals and then they send it to a mixing engineer, which what he does is kind of, gets all the levels just right and all the, you know, to where it sounds. And then you send it off to mastering, which all the mastering does is just kind of put like this kind of radio polish over it. Mm-hmm. And just brings all the, all the, you know, all the high end notes are going to sound more high and on the low ends going to feel lower. And so all that takes, you know, you can, you know, if you've got somebody on it, if you just need a song, like you can record it on Monday, do vocals Tuesday, mix it on Wednesday, master it on Thursday, if you wanted to usually because everybody's busy and they have schedules and all that and, and people lined up, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be a, you know, a month long process to kind of get all that mm-hmm. stuff done. Wow.
0: Yeah. I imagine with COVID, I mean, everyone's learning to work remotely, but uh, yeah. that, that process has to look a little bit different.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, the, the way we recorded these songs too was different. They, they ended up being instead of being in the room with the full band, we had to kind of piece we would do like the drums and bass at one time with just like the acoustic guitar and then kind of send it out to the different band, you know, the different players. And so at the end of the day, you can't tell the difference. Wow. It was just a different, you know, a little bit longer route of, of, of trying to get it done. So.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated with the way that things will always change, like for the, for the long run, but yep. I have to imagine that with that specific part of your job, you want to get back to normal. You don't want to, you don't want to record these songs like this for the rest of time. Right. Like no. there's something about being in the same room with everybody. Oh, it is. Yeah.
3: There's something special about it. And,
0: and you, it's easier to communicate and go, Hey, what about this? When, it, when you just send it to
3: them, it's like, you know, they send it back and you either love it or you don't, or you, you know, it's just
0: yeah.
3: a game of cat and mouse or whatever. But, uh, that's
0: kind of know, how it, the show goes sometimes, right?
3: Right. And it was, <laughs> it was <you> know,
2: <laughs> that's right. That and the fact that we have to get, uh, we have to run DJ through the, uh, the um, the auto
1: tune thing. Oh, Ray. you should have seen them, Ray. Yeah. They were trying to get me on this. That's why I'm asking all these questions, like how it happened, because the simple auto tune. So they tried to get me to do. I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> we threw a lot at him on day one. Hey,
1: Ray. Uh, obviously, big game this weekend, man. Uh, I know you've been keeping up with the dogs. Yeah. Big win the first three weeks. Alabama, of course, has been Alabama. Uh, love to get your thoughts on the ball
3: game and uh, what you're looking forward to. Man, them boys. The defensive line is playing better than I've seen in. Definitely in smarts era. And I mean, the offense, you know, man, Bennett's got some confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got some daggone. He's got some players outside right now. Um, they call him the mailman, I mean, Ray. They call him the mailman. Oh, the <laughs> mailman. Bring the mail to your house. To post service. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, and it feels like we're playing with a lot of confidence. You know, I'll say this. I mean, I, uh, you know, it looks like it looks like Bama's, you know, He's got some holes on defense. I think they're really good on offense. Um, but, man, the defense of Georgia's elite. I mean, as good as I've ever seen it. So, um, you know, I'll say this. The, the the last two times where we almost beat them, I feel, you know, feel better going into this one than I did those. So, what that means, I don't know. But, yeah.
0: Oh, man. That coach up in Athens got them boys playing pretty good ball, right? That sounds
1: familiar right
0: there. Yeah, that's right. Love you, son. Go dogs. (laughs) Check it out. Check out uh, Ray's other work, man. Co-writer, just look up his about page on his website, man. It'll blow your mind, the things that this guy's worked on. And his talent continues to grow. The career continues to get better and better. And he's a loyal dog. Ray, thank you for your time, man. And uh, best of luck down the road. Hopefully, we can catch you in a live concert Uh, within the year ahead, um, Lord yeah. willing, will see what DJ, happens. DJ
2: already asking for passes to
1: Madison School. I got. Right? I've never hey. been to a country concert. I've never, you know, i never been.
2: So
3: you know, <laughs> hey. Hey. DJ, hey, DJ. give it, give it a whirl. Come to, come to one of those big shows, and afterwards you will be like, I get it, man. I
1: get no it. No doubt. I need. I need to come. Like I said, I mean, you, you got me hooked. I listened to about four or five songs. I was just going, what is this one about? What is this one? What is this one? <laughs> I was just hitting them on YouTube, bro. So hey. I'm down with it, man. But uh, I appreciate you, man. It's good to see you, man.
0: Ain't seen you in a long time. It's good to Congrats see you. on
1: all the success so far, for real.
0: Thank you all for uh, having me, and go Dawgs. Yeah, man. All right. For DJ Shockley, Mike Bilbo, y'all have a great weekend. We'll catch you after this Georgia-Alabama game. No doubt we'll have a lot to talk about. Y'all have a great weekend. Catch you next time.